of the Ellie and Oliver show. My name is Oliver Braid. Hi there, I'm Ellie Harrison. And so today it is my turn to introduce the show. I'm going to start with a short apology though because I've got a bit of a sore throat today so I know my voice is normally quite grating but it might be even worse today. Uh, But don't worry about that because later on I will be binding a stocking around my neck that I first filled with a palmful of ashes from my left hand. And hopefully that will be a cure for my sore throat. Or at least that is a superstition (laughs) that I have read up on the internet today. Because actually, you might have noticed, some of you might know, if you're listening from America, you might be one of the 17 to 21 million people in the USA that are affected by a certain phobia known as Frigus Triskaidekaphobia which is a phobia of Friday the 13th, because today is a Friday the 13th, April, Friday the 13th, and today our theme is superstitions. So uh, I've done a little brief introduction, but I know that uh, my co-host, Miss Ellie Harrison, Muzz Ellie Harrison, (laughs) has got a little something to say to link superstitions with our theme of certainties last week. So Ellie, you should take that away. Oh, thanks, Oliver. Um... Well, I want to make a little apology live on air to Oliver for being such an asshole yesterday, and we just we just had to have quite a long discussion about my behaviour. Um, so it's a bit of a strange atmosphere in the flat, um, but yeah, and, and I guess I was a, a little um, worried about how today's radio show might turn out. When I woke up this morning, we weren't really speaking to each other at all. But you'll be pleased <laughs> to hear that we have been uh, thrashing it out for the last hour or so off air so that we can have some sort of coherent and upbeat chat on air for you to hear. At least so, coherent. Yeah. So what I was uh, wanted to say about, well, certainties, I guess... Last week's theme of certainties, which I chose, was all about being in control or being able... Okay, maybe about, as a human being, being able to control the environment around you or an ambition <laughs> to to try to control the environment around you. Whereas this week's theme of superstitions, which I've got a little definition here, which I won't tell you which reputable internet resource I got (laughs) it from, but it says that a superstition is a belief in a supernatural causality. So oh, kind I of think I might be aware of that internet Stop! resource that you've used. I think <laughs> I might have used it as well. But in lots of ways, that's the opposite of rationalism or empiricism. So it's the opposite of feeling like you can control the things around you in a rational way that maybe there's something else, some supernatural power, which is helping to affect what's going on in your life. I was thinking that actually, like, uh, a central part of superstitions really is still about causal relations and some kind of way that humans just cannot deal with the idea that things just happen and that they're constantly looking for a cause to the effect. And so, which I think is slightly about 
being able to justify bad luck and not just being able to accept that luck or bad luck happens or doesn't happen. Like, actually, there must be some sort of reason. I'm particularly more interested in individual superstitions rather than communal superstitions, such as don't cut hoof nor hair on a Sunday, which was one of the ones they were talking about at work yesterday. Because actually, I tell you, at work last night, we have a, an evening meeting just to cover up any business. And, uh, Which the, work? The, at the museum. Oh. And the chat turned to superstitions. And I began to think, this is so spooky. Like, I can't believe we're talking about superstitions just before we do this show about superstitions. Yeah. But then, as I began to think like a, a rational human being, I realized the reason we're talking about superstitions is because the day following was going to be a Friday the 13th. So, of course... Everyone's having a chat about it. It's nothing to do with some kind of spiritual plane happening or something like the universe or God trying to talk to me and point something out. It's actually just, you know, it's a very, like, natural thing for people to talk about. And my real problem, I found, which is a problem, I think, with individual personal superstitions, I've got this quote that those kind of superstitions are probability taken personally. But I don't know where that quote's from, but I did quite like it. Uh, yeah, the real problem mm. with specifically individual superstitions is this idea of magical thinking, which is um, like feeling that your interior, or, or Freud's used it to describe a childhood development stage as when your interior mood, or you believe that your interior mood is affecting the outer world. So if a child is sad, then they might believe that it's raining outside because they feel sad. Uh, Could be the other way around, couldn't it? Yeah, it could could very well be the other way around. Well, like more it, likely to be the other way around. I suppose the developmental stage is that the child believes that the reason it's raining outside is because they feel sad. Mm. Um, and actually, I think that the individual specific superstitions are more interesting for me because they have a lot in common with obsessive-compulsive behaviour. Yeah. And really the idea that actually Claude Levi Strauss, Levi Strauss, I don't know Strauss, Claude Levi Strauss, uh, talks about how magic or magic thinking is used to exert control over an environment. And apparently mm. superstitions come into play a lot more frequently in people who desire more control over their world. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> well, it, I've written down this phrase, which, well, when when you first suggested that we do superstitions, I thought, oh, this would be a great opportunity to talk about thought-action fusion, which is basically... I think what you're saying in terms of man, uh, magical thinking, but a kind of updated way of <laughs> explaining the same thing. But the idea of <laughs> thought action fusion is if a thought pops into your head that something's going to happen, the more you obsess about it, then either you think that you're going to help cause that or that you have to act to make it happen or that you feel com- you know, compelled to act to make it happen. As if it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, like a self-fulfilling pro- prophecy. So I, I think I'm quite interested in that. And one thing that I do, because I like to think of myself as quite a rational person, but at the same time I'm completely irrational. Like, and I always find myself like knocking on wood whenever I've said anything which I hope doesn't want to come true like I think I do it more than anybody else I wouldn't else. dream not doing it I do would, you do it a lot? I would say that I was an extremely extremely superstitious person and I just can't get rid of it I was going to talk today about some of my quirky superstitions I'm, what about the teeth brushing? 
Well, would you call that a superstition? No, I think that, that I don't think that's a superstition. But I do have, I've had some some superstitions that I've had since childhood that I continue to do through to this day, and I began to write them down in my notes, and then yeah. I realised I was too frightened to even write them down or oh talk God. about them, as if I would anger. Because that's the thing, like if you do, like if you believe in superstitions, yeah. then you surely have to believe that someone is watching over you to make sure that you're not doing those things like whether that's a god or whether that's um, a super ego a super ego that's a big other i was thinking about really is whether superstition is just really uh, another manifestation of your super ego yeah like um, conscience conscience in a way but 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 it's interesting because that idea of um you know being too scared to write it down i just was reading a little bit about thought action fusion which they talk about in relation to obsessive compulsive disorder um and they talk about cognitive behavioral therapy as a way of being able to deal with when i say they i mean about.com um like cognitive behavioral therapy being um a way of being able to 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 learn to deal with these obsessive behavioral traits but this other one that i just read about now is called acceptance and commitment therapy i don't know much about it i've never heard of it but there is this idea that one of the ways of trying to deal with the problems of thought action fusion i.e thinking something or writing it down and then think it's going to happen is to force yourself to do that because the more you force yourself to think horrible thoughts so the more you force yourself to think about all your family dying in really like brutal ways, and when you witness it not happening, then that will convince you that it's not you know that it's not you know you don't have to be scared of your thoughts in that way. So I would encourage you to write down all of your. But I wonder what it is that. But I, I I wonder what it is though that makes people continuously or makes me still too frightened to do it. And when you were talking about. Having those kind of thoughts, I still thought, oh, I really would not feel comfortable. Like, it feels like there's a, a hurdle in my mind that I just can't really jump over. And I actually think, I mean, I just talked about Freud a little bit. Mm. To return to Freud and Sartre, Sartre. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they both apparently had a belief that luck and the idea of luck was really about people trying to evade a locus of control in their life and trying to kind of escape personal responsibility um which i yeah i worry that actually i'm doing but mm. i think on the flip side of magical thinking on the positive side of what superstitions and magical thinking could bring us i think if we look very closely at the things that we're thinking about i've got a quote from stanley j tumbra i don't know mm, if you know him no. but he says that magic utilizes abstract analogies to express a desired state and I watched, this week, I watched the film Weekend by Andrew Hay, which I know that you've seen as well. No, I haven't seen oh, it. Bald. I want to okay. see it. Is it set in Nottingham? I think it is set in Nottingham. Oh, it's, got, it's all about gays. Well, no, it's about love. Uh, but one of the characters, they, they have a conversation about when you first meet someone in a club that you're going to have a one-night stand with and how you don't really have the responsibility to just be yourself. You can sort of project whatever type of person that you want to be. Like, you can sort of pretend to be a different sort of person. And one of the characters says that that kind of highlights a discrepancy between the person that you are and the person that you'd like to be. And if you can analyse that, then you know, like, what the next step is in how to become closer to realising 
that type of person. Mm. And so I was thinking that perhaps if we recognised the superstitions that we're playing out and repeatedly playing them out, we can perhaps examine them to see what parts of our character are, are ourselves or what we perceive to be ourselves, uh, what they demonstrate and how they're perhaps keeping us trapped from developing our personal project of ourselves. But that is interesting, that idea of if you can visualize something or imagine it, then it's more likely to come, to come true. Because I remember when I was into Paul McKenna, for research purposes only, um, and I was reading Change Your Life in Just Seven Days. This is back in 2006 when I put together the artist training program. But there was this thing about like having to have some sort of mo visual motivational thing within your working environment that you could look at, remind yourself what you were working towards, and it reminds me of that poster that I used to have on my wall. Yeah, I always talk about that poster. Maybe you should just mention it, actually, because well, I do talk about it to a lot of people. I had two things on my wall. Like, I had one... In 2006, I had a poster from the Rights Academy on my wall because that was my ambition, to go to the Rights Academy, and I thought somehow that if I put the poster on my wall for an entire year while I, like, wrote the application, prepared and submitted it and all the rest. And obviously, they have, like, 1,500 applications, so I didn't stand a very high chance of getting in. But I thought that if the post was on my wall, then it, I really, 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 really wanted to go there, so it's more likely to happen. But the other one I had was the Mark Titchener poster, which I got from Platform for Art. Art on the Underground did a series of prints, and one of them was this Mark Titchener poster which said if you don't like your life you can change it in big block letters and I had it on my wall for over a year and that was the year into run, running up into moving to Glasgow and completely transforming my life mm. and moving in with you and all of the other things that went along with that but yeah and it is yeah well I suppose one of them the Mark Titchener poster if you don't like your life you can change it that is like a motivational poster. Yeah. And so positive. But I wonder actually whether having the rights... Like, because I was thinking, whenever I make an application to anything, I never, ever talk about it with anyone. I know, but I that's never got tell into anyone trouble anything. for being secretive. It, it does get me into trouble, but what people have to accept is that is part of a superstitious code that I really do have. Like, I try never to talk about things that I'm applying for or things that I do not... I'm amazed, actually, when people do talk about things that they don't know or 100% confirmed. Well, I'm amazed as well, but at the same time, I try to do it more because I think it's more normal just to be, uh, like, open and honest about what you're doing rather than to keep but it all that bottled up like a secret. So even though it is like a... It feels unnatural for me to talk about it, I force myself to talk about it. But for me, it's not so... Because actually, I'm really into the idea of everyone being open and saying, like, yeah, we're all desperados. Or, you know, like, everyone's in a situation and everyone has hopes and dreams. Yeah. And they may not be fulfilled. And if they don't, like, that's not embarrassing. It's just kind of sad for that person. But it's also about... It's a philosophy of... What's it? A certainty of insignificance. A certainty of insignificance. Um, it's more because for a very long time, I think I've lived psychologically feeling that I've angered someone or something. I think it comes back from, like, maybe, like, uh, childhood situations. But I often have felt that there's a, a ghost or something following me around. Big other. Deliberately, yeah, the big other. Deliberately 
stopping things that I think will make me happy. And if you keep quiet about things, then the ghost won't find out about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm trying to deceive the ghost, basically. <laughs> Always. God, I know. I'm a 27-year-old man. But it's a bit like that idea that we talked about a few weeks ago about having this mindset, this frame framework in which we approach everything in our careers as though everybody's out to get us. Yeah. Like, is this why we're friends, or is everyone... <laughs> Is everyone like this? I am worried about it. But we should probably have a song. Yeah, let's move into a song. But before um, we play a song, I just wanted to... Because, I mean, superstitions, obviously people scoff at them and think they're ludicrous people, only, like, completely irrational idiots and buffoons have superstitions. But, like, I was thinking about... Obviously, I was wearing my pyjamas until about quarter to twelve today, and there was something... And actually, when you see in the <laughs> photograph, I have uh, still got my pyjama top on. I'm very sorry. But there's something, like I love that phrase, prior preparation prevents piss poor performance. But that idea of preparing for something, like a ritual, I suppose, of getting ready mm. to do something, getting in the right framework, getting dressed, getting <laughs> cleaning yourself and getting dressed. Like how closely does that sort of preparation or making sure that you've got clothes <laughs> clothes on that are respectable relate to a superstition. Like, am I going to perform worse on the radio show because I've not had you a shower and I've not put, um, got dressed? Because I think if you look back at the photographs from previous radio shows, I think there's three instances now where I, I'm wearing an item of pyjama clothing. And did you think they were better shows or worse shows? I think it would be interesting if people could notice. I personally think they're probably worse. I wonder, though, if this is the start of... Because I wonder if once you are a superstitious person, maybe you're just naturally inclined then to believe... And obviously you're a kind of data analyzer, so I think yeah. that part of that is about... Looking at things in the past and then kind of trying to find patterns in them. And obviously everyone says that patterns are there for people who see patterns. Oh dear, yeah. I mean, you don't want to get to the state of, who is it? Is it like Barbara Streisand that has to have a really specific teapot on stage or beforehand just so that she can sing well? Or I actually read, I did some celebrity superstitions. I read that Lady Gaga doesn't have sex with people that she's not in love with because she realises, or she's superstitious that they will steal her creativity through her vagina. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> okay, on that note, let's have a highly predictable and badly prepared song.
that's right, Friday the 13th. And I apologise for that highly predictable song. It was, of course, my choice. <laughs> yeah, I'll put something a little bit more avant-garde on later. I know, but I, we did used to play that when I used to DJ back in the day in Nottingham when I was a youngster at university. It reminds me of being a student, actually. I think it's a big student favourite. Yeah, I don't know if I like it, actually. It makes me feel a bit nauseous, to I be honest. I actually hate it. I think I've overheard it. I just overheard it. I think I've danced too many times at yeah. undergraduate nightclubs to me it. Too. It reminds me of this guy who used to think he was a well-aced DJ and he always used to play it. And then That's like, like us. Come onto the floor and do a little kind of scant dance to it. And he had all dreadlocks. And he used to walk around town without any shoes on. Oh, my God. Well, you were in Falmouth. What do you expect? Well, yeah, I know. He's a glutton for punishment. But Ellie, yes. so going back to superstitions, I would like to just say, let's not feel too bad about ourselves for being superstitious. Okay. Because I, mean, I did feel a bit embarrassed about, like, God, I'm so mental, like, so unnecessary. <laughs> but as I said earlier on, there are 17 to 21 million people in the USA who are apparently affected by the fear of Friday the 13th. And another little fact is apparently... 800 to 900 million dollars is lost in business on Friday the 13th. Wow. That's such a massive lot of money. I know, and it's crazy to think that all of that was um, probably the result of a highly successful film franchise. Yeah. Because <laughs> well, interestingly enough, we made such a big scene about it, but apparently there's no real reference to Friday the 13th phobia before the kind of beginning of the 19th century. Really? Yeah. Oh. Apparently, the earliest reference written down is 1869. Oh, but what is so special about Friday the well, 13th? obviously, 13 people attended the Last Supper. Oh, okay. So it comes back to God, really, and what is superstition? I, I'm interested, really, in how superstition and religion combine yeah. and how people have sort of let go a little bit of religion, but they're still quite superstitious. And I think that that is to do with a culture of, like, immediate reward. Because religion, the rewards for adhering to religion are very far off. You know, they happen after you die, and then you might go to heaven. So that could be years and years away. But with superstition, the payback is almost immediate. As soon as you've done the thing, you've broken the mirror, you've put the shoes on the table, you've done some kind of crazy personal superstition that I'm not willing to talk about, then you instantly begin to feel the angry retribution of like whoever this kind of entity is that is superstition mm. so i think that that's why superstition prevails also the reason it's friday is apparently because jesus was potentially crucified on a friday well, that's what we were talking about last week wasn't it on good friday that's so when he was crucified about, it's all about god really superstition but then also it's a mix of god and folklore yeah, so you're saying that if if I've got my own bespoke like cluster of superstitions that I adhere to each day, then that's like my own mini handcrafted religion, religion which allows us to learn more about you and should allow because I think once you recognise them as a superstition, the worry is if you continue to perform them, then in a sort of existential manner, you're performing as an automaton of yourself. You're not really exercising your free choice to break them. So I think that you have to get them down. I mean, let's look at Jessica Alba. When she was having a little baby, at the baby shower, she handed out baby bracelets on a leather thong to everyone who attended and then forbade them to take... All of her guests who got a baby bracelet weren't allowed to take them off until she'd given birth to the baby, just in case it damaged the baby. Megan Fox, apparently. I've got a whole host of glamorous women... She always listens to Britney Spears when flying because she believes it's not her destiny 
to die whilst listening to Britney Spears. Well, that's, and that's something that you can well, embrace. Part of me thinking about coming back on the plane Being from Ireland. Yeah, because this is what we were talking about before. We're going to Ireland and we will be doing a special show. Live Ellie and Oliver Russia. Next week as well, we're doing a special show. We haven't even talked about that. We've run out of time, Oliver. We've run we out of time. Next week framework. we'll be live from the Mitchell Library. Yeah, as part of GI Festival. Doing a GI special. And we're doing three GI festivals. We'll be at a slightly specials. later date. Listen, so it's my turn to play a song, otherwise we're going to run out of time. Uh, I have chosen a song this week, which I think is slightly about magical thinking. Uh, and also because I, w- I was really superstitious about music as a child, I was going to play something that I thought would potentially give me a bad day, but I realised I was still too superstitious to do that. So instead I've just chosen something that's a little bit about things that we hang on to since childhood and then casting them off. This is a live version of Werewolf by Coco Rosie featuring Tez. Have a really good Friday the 13th. And remember, actually, April the 14th is when Titanic sank and Abraham Lincoln was killed, shot, assassinated. Things can only get worse. Thank you. 
my heart is sore You blew through me like bullet holes Your love stains on my sheets and stains on my soul You left me broke down begging for change Had to catch a ride with a man who's deranged Yeah, you had your hands on my father's face Another western vampire, different time, same place I have dreams that brings me sadness Rain much deeper than the river Sorrow flow through me in tiny waves of shivers Corny movies make me reminisce They break me down easy On this generic love shit First kiss, dog and princess I'ma shake you off I'ma get up on this horse And ride it to the sunset Then back with no remorse I'ma shake you off I'ma get up on this horse And ride it to the sunset Then back with no remorse I'ma shake you off I'ma get up on this horse And ride it to the sunset Then back with no remorse I'ma shake you off you walk, I'ma get up on this horse And ride it to the ride it to the sunset Shake you off, I'ma get up on this horse and ride it to the sunset and back with no remorse.